0: Eternal Kingdom is written by Michelle Roger. This book is edited by Brendan McWilliams. Sound engineered by Steve Nett of Computer Room Services. Graphic novel drawn by Tom Duncan. Music composed, performed, and recorded by Michelle Roger. Kingdom, Chapter 16. Rose and Robbie greeted Micah as Kevin led Riley to find her game room. Two vampiric guards with eyes blazing red begrudgingly carried in four large wooden boxes. They placed them one after the other along the metal wooden benches of the team room and left. Micah looked at the rabble human team and quietly admitted to himself that they didn't have a chance. These are the weapons, modern adaptations from the original Roman version, handed out at the last game. Each has been fitted with solar-infused helio technology, lethal to any vampire. He smiled, trying to give away as much confidence and reassurance as he could. He called the players by position. George cleared his throat, looking concerned as he stood to ask, There's hand-to-hand combat? I thought the chess move was called out, the pieces and players moved, and... He paused for a moment, realizing that he hadn't quite thought through the moment of a piece being taken. Well, if it wasn't... Well, no, I mean, if it was a white win, he said, pointing to his uniform, then the heliobond threads in the black side uniforms would ignite, killing the beast, he looked at Micah. No offense. Micah laughed, none taken. George continued, and if it was a black side victory... The vampire would merely bite the white piece's neck, and that was it. Micah sighed. He had hoped to avoid this conversation. George, would you go to a hockey game to see the Red Wings play the Stanley Cup playoffs? If you knew there wouldn't be a single punch or a fight in the game? George thought about it and laughed bleakly. Enough was said, and he understood. The fighting was for show and entertainment. "'Humans nor vampires had evolved so much since the time of Caesar "'that a game wasn't sweetened by a bit of bloodshed. "'Pawns!' Micah called out loud with a type of enthusiasm, "'not becoming an accountant. "'Evan and seven of his other inmate companions stood slowly. "'Micah opened the first wooden box, lined with royal blue velvet, "'and motioned for the boys to come forward.' The pawn is the foot soldier of the game. Here are your weapons. Micah handed each of the boys a huge bat. Some looked at their weapon approvingly, swinging it in the air as if they were hitting home run. Others appeared crestfallen. Rooks, continued Micah in his grandiose presentation. George and his assistant Eleanor stood and walked up to the box. You two act as the castles and the foundation of the game protecting all of your team with your perimeter moves. He handed each of them bludgeons with elongated handles, as well as a rope to wrap around themselves. Both of them looked skeptically as they walked back to their seats. Bishops called Micah. Two unlikely friends, Tom, a theology professor from the University of Detroit, and Alan, a rabbi from West Bloomfield Jewish Community Center, stepped up. Micah opened the second box. He offered each of the men cloth that wrapped around their shoulders, decorated with a simple embroidery. In addition, they were each given daggers, one for each hand. Neither seemed to know where to put the long knives, but smiled at Micah gratefully nevertheless. ''Knights!'' called Micah. Robbie nodded at the two blokes, thick-armed and shaved heads, as they stepped towards Micah, dwarfing him in size and height. Jack walked up, an amputee from a rack with a carbon and steel prosthesis. Given the choice between a double-sided axe and a bow and arrow set, he chose the crossbow. His counterpart, Mike, a member of the Michigan militia, frowned in disapproval of his two limited choices. He chose the bow as well in the end. Finally, Micah opened the last box. He said nothing this time, and the team looked towards their king and queen with subtle concern. Delicately walking to Rose, he handed her a pair of silk gloves decorated with similar embroidery as the bishop's mantles. Rose looked back at Micah incredulously. You're kidding, right? Micah laughed. Give me a moment. You'll see. He reassured her. Returning to the box, he pulled out a beautiful broadsword, etchings all down the blade. Bloody hell, Robbie whispered as Micah handed it to him. Micah backed away, looking slightly fearful. A loud click echoed off the cement walls, and suddenly the room was nearly blinding, with all of the solar light radiating off of the weapons, the cloth, and Rose's gloves. Your enemy may be 100 times stronger, but these tools in your hands make you equals. I will be here with guards ready to protect and conceal your exit at the end of the first half of the game. Good luck. Micah hoped no one would detect the sadness in his voice as he said farewell to his new friends. They were walking into a bloodbath, and it was their own blood. It wasn't going to be like hockey. Hockey didn't even come close. Evan stared at his solar-powered bat and laughed. Equals my ass. Micah quickly left the team and made his way near the room where Riley was about to begin. Care to place a wager? texted James. You haven't any money, Ruth replied. Something better than money, James persisted. I'm listening, Ruth texted back. James closed his eyes, listening to the crowd. He reached out with his mind to Quinn. Quinn was dead, but James took a certain comfort from sending him messages anyways. I will be joining you soon, and then I will spend the rest of eternity making it up to you. If there is a place in the afterlife for the damned, I'll be with you soon. James opened his eyes and texted Ruth. If Black wins, I will use my popularity as king to credit you, not the council, for the wildly successful game. Then I'll kill Jeremiah and Micah, thanks to my numerous contacts. With the council dissolved, you will be ruler with my support. Who needs to bet on that? I've made sure that that's exactly what is guaranteed to happen, but I'm so happy to know I have you as my loyal servant. Ruth typed. So you don't mind letting me place a bet for the underdogs? James typed, growing agitated. And what might that be? I only want one thing. If White wins, you meet me at the end of the game, hand-to-hand death match, just the two of us. A death match, eh? Well. Nothing would make me happier. Unfortunately, killing the triumphant and beloved king of the game wouldn't be very good for my career. Tempting, very tempting, but no. Jeremiah entered the Blackside team room and reached out with his mind to check on the team morale. Scenes of gorging on their human enemy, feeling young and strong, were the typical thought as the vampires suited up. Some were not happy with the heliobond-infused uniforms, but the chance to feast openly presented a far greater payout, worth the pain in the long run. He turned his eyes to Geraldine. Her mind was far more intricate, making Jeremiah work through the tight network of protective webbing. He had seen this sort of mental protection in spies and informants. Briefly, he saw a conversation. That was the unfortunate part. He could only see the two, Geraldine and Ruth. In the vision, Geraldine was clearly human, a memory. He pressed her mind, straining to hear what the two were saying. Hadn't James brought Geraldine into the game? What did Ruth have to do with all of this? Geraldine gasped like a mouse and whipped around the room looking for Jeremiah. When their eyes met, she slammed a thick metal mental door in his face, She barred her teeth under blazing eyes. Clearly, she was hiding something. James was intently talking with someone on his cell phone. Perhaps he could find the answers to his questions while James was distracted. Before he could enter the king's mind, Geraldine walked over and kissed him. The vampire team cheered. Setting aside his phone, James rallied his teammates, On to the feast! With little time and his chance to find answers quelled by the Queen, Jeremiah had one last morale check on his list. Entering the small room quietly, he found Cadell arranging and rearranging his strategy notes. His tie was loosened from his shirt, and he had removed his suit coat to free himself of any discomfort. Jeremiah was distraught to find his old friend in such a state, standing on the precipice of the game's start. Cadell's phone vibrated and a text message came through. He quickly grabbed it. Jeremiah heard the thought of Maria echo through Cadell's mind, but it was Ruth instead. Jeremiah could hear the words in Cadell's vulnerable mind as he read the text. I'm sure you know the lethal consequences if you lose to that brat. I've worked too hard to make this game an olive branch to the human world as well as a lesson to our own. I will not lose, hence, you will not lose. Are we understood? Jeremiah stepped back into the open door and closed it silently. He didn't need to hear Cadell's reply. Win or lose, it was clear to Jeremiah what needed to be done. A separate chess match had been taking place right under his nose. He had been a pawn to a very clever queen. Every so often a pawn makes it to the final row, he thought to himself. Hurrying to the platform to announce the opening of the game, he stopped briefly to speak to a few new converts he had recently met in Italy. "'Are you available after tonight's portion of the game?' he asked Antonio. "'Cadell and I would love to get together and maybe combine a little work with pleasure.' Antonio, a young vampire recently preserved in the prime of his youth, looked a bit surprised through his gleaming smile. "Whose work? I'm no chess player.' "'No, no, no, more like your work,' Jeremiah replied, "'sounding a bit more hopeful as his time pressed down to only a few mere minutes. "'The great thing about my life,' Antonio laughed, "'is that I love it, and it takes me to very interesting places. "'I am at your service, although I have no idea why in the world you would need me. "'All in good time,' said Jeremiah." I have a few more special arrangements to be made, and then it's show time. I'll find you. The lights of the stadium darkened, leaving the glowing hologram of the two chessboards hovering over the giant field. Slowly, the two illuminated boards and their pieces merged and became one, with a grid marking letters and numbers on the sides. There was some applause. Then Jeremiah, dressed in a Roman tunic and a wig, just as he had dressed in the last game began over the stadium sound speakers. The screen above the field displayed the images as he narrated. Welcome to the second vampiric human match. Welcome to the game. Tonight, we bring you two sides of a board, two teams, all champions in their own right, led by their royals. For the human team, we have your lovely queen, Rose McIntyre, a picture of Rose From the photo shoot hovered over the stadium, the human side of the stadium clapped. And now, your king, New Zealand all-black champion, Robbie Davies! At the sound of Robbie's name, both human and vampire sides of the stadium cheered and applauded. His smiling face hovered for a few moments. Rose jabbed Robbie in the ribs as they watched from the team room. Well, look at that. Even vampires like rugby. Robbie grabbed Rose unexpectedly and kissed her. To her surprise, he kept kissing her, until, for a minute, she wasn't in a converted meatpacking house in Detroit. She wasn't about to step onto a field that would be the site of horrific murders. She was just in his arms, kissing him back. When he pulled away from her, he looked straight into her face. That was 100% the right thing to say at that moment. "'With a kiss like that, I really hope I think of the right thing to say again,' Rose quipped. "'Jeremiah introduced the vampire team. "'Delicate, seductive, and your black queen for tonight, I give you Geraldine Genet.' "'The vampire patrons erupted with applause. "'Your king and master, James Banger,' the vampiric side stood, and while his head hovered over the stadium on the screen, James stepped out in person and waved to his fans. He gave a snarl as he found Ruth in her box seat, and he sent her a mental note. See? They love me. Too bad you'll never have my endorsement. A self-narrated film began to play on the screen, interrupting Jeremiah's dramatic Roman introduction. He looked to Micah from across the field, who looked just as bewildered. Ruth's voice started. It's true, our societies have never really gotten along. A clip of an old black-and-white Dracula movie danced across the screen, making everyone laugh. Let this game be the chance to show both vampire and human alike that there must be a balance and adherence to the rules. Senseless killing does not go unpunished. A clip of starving vampires within their cells in the facility projected onto the screen. The stadium was silent. The vampire world is about justice. Tonight, we will show those of us who cannot follow the rules that they will have to fight for their immortality. As a generous offer, we invite a few brave human souls to compete in the hopes to join our ranks. The screen showed a large close-up of Ruth speaking to a crowd, and the lights directed the audience to the live person as she stood center field. Thank you all for coming tonight. To demonstrate the idea of vampiric justice, I have personally worked closely with human authorities to apprehend one of the most notorious human criminals. From a small television set in the governor's suite, Helen watched the opening ceremony. Ruth continued to speak as a large cage slowly lowered down from the ceiling, selling drugs to small children, resulting in five deaths. More than 200 counts of human sex trafficking and slavery. Our vampiric and human authorities have worked together to apprehend this man. Pictures of dead children, beaten women, and mass graves glided across the screen. This is my dream, for our societies to work together for the betterment of our world. Ruth turned to Ray, who was protesting the accusations from inside the cage. This, ladies and gentlemen, is vampiric justice. With that said, the floor dropped from the cage at Ray's feet. He fell to the chamber below the field floor. Fifty starving vampires stared at Ray like he was manna sent from heaven above. The cameras Micah had placed within the holding chamber now fed into the screen above the field. Hundreds of spectators watched as the feeding frenzy ripped apart Ray, in under a minute. He never had time to scream or run or think. While Robbie watched from the team ready room with Rose at his side and his team behind him, Helen ran to her suite door only to find it locked from the outside.